History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with Johannes Gerloff. He's an author and a speaker based in Jerusalem. And he's a great man of God. He's out visiting Australia. We're going to hear a bit of his story today. Welcome along. Tell us a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? I was born actually at the point in Germany where Jews lived because they were before there were Germans in the world. That is where the Rhine River and the Main River meet. But my parents took me away from there very soon, and I grew up in the Black Forest area. That's also where my mother is from, and if you if you distinguish my dialect, that would be my mother tongue. Okay, and did you have a religious upbringing at all? Uh, religious is a good question. The Bible always played a role. I had a believing grandfather, and even further back, today in Jerusalem, I sit at the desk, my writing desk, was in India some time last century when when uh, relatives of mine were missionaries there. So, yes, I come from a setting basically from the heart of uh, Swabian pietism that went out, it's something like the Moravians, it's something some movement, some revival movement of the 18th, 19th century that went out into the world. Mm, wonderful. And tell us a bit about your faith journey. Did you uh, come to Christ at a young age or how did you, how did you uh, come to know the Lord? Look, the way I developed later on, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes here in Germany, that's very difficult. I was baptized at the age of six weeks. I normally, I, my children all first made a decision for the Lord, and then were baptized, and I envy them for that. But I have an aunt who helped me at that baptism, and she looked into my eyes and when, when I was really in trouble and said, this is not the biblical order from how I understand it. He said, yes, but I was there, and you said yes. And my problem was that I never could prove her wrong. And I had, when I was 17, I, I had a kind of real crisis in my life because I preached to others that The Lord God doesn't have grandchildren. You have to make a decision, become his child. And I was basically the proof that there is something else. And I said, Lord, let's make a deal. Um, I I still remember this afternoon. I was 16, 17. I said, Lord, let's make a deal. Uh, You let me go for two years into the world, and I will try everything that is bad, from alcohol to women. And I I couldn't think of worse things. But anyway... um, and, and I was really crying. I said, Lord, this doesn't work. How should I preach to other people? And that was, I think, the first time I, I really felt I heard a voice that only asked me, now, who chose whom? Who chose whom? Did you choose me or did I choose you? And since I knew the Gospel of John, I had to say, Lord, I, I know that if I come to it theologically, you chose me. He said, so shut up. And that would be my problem. I know now that this is not really what you want to, to hear as a conversion story or something like that, but that's me. And tell us a bit about your uh, faith journey after that. Was there a big change in your life? There, 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 there are changes up to this very day because I'm growing. 
And if you ask, uh, I, I, I know that even before there were struggles, I know that I have to make a day-by-day decision who is Lord in my life. And I, I, I hope there will be changes in the future. <laughs> yes, there were always changes. There were dark, dark periods in my life. I remember as a child even where I had to hide a lot from my parents and my grandparents. And I did some, from my point of view, terrible things. And I think God's point of view as well. Uh, other people might laugh at, uh, at, at, about these things, but they were terrible in the sight of the Lord. So yes, there were changes. There is no question about that. <laughs> there were further turnarounds uh, up until recent, recently. And, and I hope there will be in the future. We have to grow. We do, absolutely. And tell us a bit about your early career. What did you do after school? After school, I uh, I knew that we, we, we had a, a revival youth movement in the Northern Black Forest area. And um, I, I, I felt the calling people also had told me to become a pastor, to become a missionary. And I wanted to learn the languages. And, and But our biggest, how shall I say, and, and, uh, adversaries in our adversaries in our youth ministry with the, with the local Lutheran pastors. So I said, I'll never become a pastor. But in the end, it ended up that I somehow wanted to study uh, uh, theology. But before that, we, we had in, in Germany at the time the, the, the kind of procedure that we had to do one year of practicing uh, something practical. And I wanted to work with drug addicts and, and other people who, who, who had problems with addiction problems. I went to an uncle, and he looked into my eyes and says, no, Johannes, you go to Israel. I never, I, I had thought about it, I knew about Israel, but I, I thought, well, there are these freaks, these fans, I will never go there. Um, but this uncle looked at me, and, and I think four or five weeks later, I ended up in Israel working for one year with Holocaust survivors in northern Israel. It was right after the Lebanon war, and we still heard the rumbling of the artillery and, and saw a lot of soldiers and I was thrown into this conflict area at that time, and there was several levels of conflict, also coming as a young German into Israel, working with Holocaust survivors. So, Well, it's fascinating to hear how you've been working in Israel for so many years. I understand you've been a Middle East correspondent for the German language media for nearly two decades. You've covered the Palestinian uprising, uh, the Second Intifada, the uh, evacuation of the Jewish settlements from the Gaza Strip, the Second Lebanon War. You've been there for all these incredible life-changing events. Let's just focus a bit more on your, your Christian walk for for a moment. What what were you doing ministry-wise uh, all this time? You've been connected to a church. Uh, you, you're speaking a bit. Tell us about your ministry side of things. Yes. First of all, um, I might have to tell that after the year in Israel in, in 1983-84, I studied theology in in Germany first, uh-huh. studied languages, then in in uh, Canada, and then in uh, Czech Republic. Ah. Czech Republic, because my wife, we actually have a, also a, a quite exciting story across the, the Iron Curtain. And, and actually, we headed for Tanzania, being missionaries there. So, so, so there was quite an exciting story until we ended up in the beginning of the 90s in Israel. Ah. And I worked for seven years with the Christian Embassy as a German and Central European liaison. Mm -hmm. And only then I was asked by the Christian Media Association towards the end of the 1990s 
to work as a, a correspondent because I had worked as an advisor for publishing houses in Germany, for for Islam, for Middle Eastern affairs, for the whole question of Jewish-Christian relations and theology in that area. So, um, and that's how I ended up becoming then a correspondent for the Christian Media Association KEP in Germany, which was at the time the representative of the German Evangelical Alliance and built up a, a correspondence bureau in uh, in Israel. And it very much started at the time when the Intifada started, when uh, all these upheavals also around the settlements and uh, up to, I attended Arafat's funeral, for example. We lived quite uh, very much in the neighborhood. So we lived through that. That, But that was a different, so, so, so there are different chapters in between. Now you want to know something about uh, nowadays and and more about the, the spiritual journey. Yes. Um, on on the way, we were joined by five children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we also built up a family. And I am deeply convinced that as a single believer, but even more as a family, we have to be part of a congregation. Yeah. And we looked around. Uh, in living in Jerusalem, you basically have a threefold choice as a foreigner. Um, you have a choice to, to, to join the expatriate community, English-speaking churches mostly. Um, another option would be to go into the Hebrew-speaking community and another option to go into the Arab-speaking community. And mm-hmm. we made very early on a decision that we will join. We went there for one or two years. We get to know one of the local uh, communities, and we send our children into Hebrew-speaking kindergarten. Actually, the, the older one, ones all went to Orthodox kindergartens, uh, non-Messianic. But that was even more reason for us. We have to join a Messianic congregation. Mm. So since the 1990s, we have been part of a, a Hebrew-speaking Messianic congregation in Jerusalem. Now, I know a lot of Christians don't really understand uh, the concept of what is a messianic congregation. Do you want to just unpack theologically what, what that means? What it theologically means, I myself have to discover still, and there is a lot of discussions. Don't believe any messianic Jew who comes and tells you this is the messianic Judaism. It doesn't work. The, the moment you have two together, together, you have three congregations. So there's huge discussions, and they themselves are on the way to discover. But in short, a Messianic Jew, since the 1970s, this term comes up Messianic, and it's a good question to ask what it means. Um, because in our circles, it means that it is a, a Jew who believes in Jesus, but then because of history says, I don't want to become a Christian, I want to remain a Jew, believing in Jesus, and um, in, in some or the other way, uh, Living my life with Jesus, letting Him be Lord. There is no difference in that area between us as evangelical Christians and them. Um, but but then in, in different ways they emphasize that they never ever forsake forsake the the Jewishness on the way. Mm. And um, so in the 1960s, when I had my first contact with there, they were called Jewish Christians. Mm. If they're if they're Catholic, they would call themselves Hebrew Christians. And today there are also Jews who have theological differences with Messianic Jews. For example, say they bring in Western uh, Christian culture into it. We don't want that. But we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. 
So there are Jews today who, who stick to a synagogue, but would very much emphasize that they are Jewish and only Jewish and not Messianic. So um, I emphasized also that it's good to clarify that way because you have in today's discussion, especially about the judicial reform, uh, they, they talk about Messianics in, in, in Hebrew uh, society, and they r- relate that to to Jews who do not believe in Jesus, but have Messianic hopes and are basically national religious or, or Orthodox Jews. That's quite a mix-up. It's, it's interesting, but it's good you ask these questions. Now, before we wrap up, uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your message that you're bringing to Australia. You're out here speaking at some different gatherings. What's the, what's the main message that God's put on your heart uh, to share with Aussies? I actually, in 2016, after working for 18 years as a journalist, I turned this journalist and theologian around and turned back to be more a Bible teacher. And lately, the Lord has very much impressed on my heart that there is not just one great commission, one message the Lord wants to share to the uttermost ends of the earth, but there are two messages if we read the whole Bible and if we take that literally. And the other message that is specifically connected, go and preach it, teach it, explain it to the islands at the ends of the earth, is the message, and I can make it very short, quoting Jeremiah 31, verse 10. It says there, the one who scattered Israel will gather it again and tend it like a shepherd, his herd, his sheep. And the question is, especially because the whole relationship between the Jewish people and the land of Israel was more or less explained to be irrelevant by Christian theology during the past 2,000 years. We have to rediscover a whole lot of things. So I first of all want to spread this message. The one who scattered Israel will gather it again and tend it like a shepherd his sheep, and then I'd like to challenge you to say, let's think and let's work on that together. Why is it so important that we as Germans, as Americans, as Australians, as whatever, you name it, that we bother about it, what the Lord is doing there far away in the Middle East? You know, I just love the fact that you are highlighting this. I've, I've got a whole bunch of friends in Messianic communities, and I've been to Israel twice, and uh, I just love the fact that uh, there's such a focus on this. And I'm just, even in Australia, I've just noticed there's more and more talk about it, more and more, and more talk about what's happening in Israel and praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, it's been wonderful to hear a little bit of your story today. Um, I reckon you're a history maker, Johannes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available. History Makers, devotions, downloads and dad jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give a few laughs along the way. 
It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor.